Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 90. Um, thanks for joining us. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you do, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just Apex Vaulting and watch all the podcasts on there. Uh, we've been uploading the video versions of them. Um, also, you should follow our Instagram, The Real Apex Vaulting. And we're also Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any comments or questions, um, just email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Also, I want to announce, if you're looking for a great present for that pole vulture that you love and care about, you could probably find something good on Team Hoop. If you visit Team Hoop and use the promo code APEXPV, um, you get a discount and it goes towards us too and helps our club out. So, if you're looking for that awesome Christmas gift for a pole vaulter, go on Team Who. Uh, Sean Francis, he's the guy who, who started uh, Team Who. If you don't know him, he's been on the podcast. Awesome guy. 18-plus um, guys, placed at USA's. And he definitely, like, he's, he left no stone unturned during his career. He did so much different types of things with training, with technique. Um, he really pushed the limits. And on his website, you can buy Team Who shirts. Uh, you can buy his pole vault toolbox book. It's one of, I literally, when I think of pole vault books, there's two that come to mind. I think about beginner to Bubka and Sean's book that came out, um, this past year, top two books in my mind, right? You find his book on there. And then also he, he sells a lot of training stuff. Um, so definitely go on the website. And if you're looking for a discount, just use promo code apex PV. That would be great. We'd really appreciate it. And again, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast or subscribe to our channel and, and follow us on social media. Um, that being said, today's episode, I have Robert Plum with me. He's jumped with me for quite a few years at the club. Uh, we, we call him the PV professor. Um, so he, he's really He's like, you're basically a pole vault nerd. What can I say? Yeah. So we, we always hash out all this like pole vault stuff. And recently you have the video uh, yeah. that I used. Um, one of the, the pole vault sites uh, showed this video of Bob Richards uh, during the straight pole era. And I, I just, I was talking about this video all week at practice. Look at that push off. What an amazing, amazing push off. And that's a pole that doesn't bend. It's the straight pole era. And so what I did was I made a video that I posted on my YouTube channel. I posted on my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter where it's about two and a half minutes and I analyze the entire jump. Um, before I go any further, and I, I, want, I want you to uh, tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. Just when I look at the analytics of stuff that I post, now I don't have like a crazy amount of followers, right? Like I, I think we have about 2,600 followers on Instagram and I don't even know the numbers for a lot of the other things. But that being said, Instagram being our, 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 large, our largest following, I get sometimes as much as a thousand likes on a meme, right? On a pole vault meme. But it's very, very common to get 300, 400, 500 likes on a meme. Everybody loves funny shit. That's, I think it's super easy. When I normally put out instructional stuff, right? I'm lucky to get a hundred. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of times when I put instructional posts, it, it might only get 60 likes. So I'm just saying the gap between what, what usually happens. And I think you could say, oh, you know what? I should just make it a meme page and just post yeah, memes. Just but memes. that's not the point. Even the memes that I post, I try to have it tied in with something to do with technique or coaching or just pole vault life in general. Um, but this post 
got a better reaction. And just so you know the, the numbers, again, it's not up there with memes, um, but it, it, it did well, yeah. It got a lot of likes. Um, it got 151 likes, right? 39 comments, 48 DMs. I get, as a business page, you can see who DMs uh, your, your posts. 48 times it was DM'd to somebody and 34 bookmarks. This is really, really good for, for something that's more technical on my page. And it got a big reaction. And I think all the, 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 the normal people that reach out to me or comment or whatever, um, they, they had something to say about this video. It kind of triggered people. Um, it got positive feedback as well. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, uh, if you follow him on Instagram, Nikolai Parlbender, um, he's a 17-9 guy from South Africa. Creaseman from UNC Charlotte, who's an 18-plus guy, he commented, a lot of positive feedback. But I get a lot of negative. Now, for people who haven't watched the, the video, I would highly advise at this point, maybe pause the podcast, watch the two-and-a-half-minute video. Yeah, well worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it, and that way you'll also be able to understand more about – Yeah, the what, context. Yeah, the context and what we're talking about. Now, again, I think that a lot of people who reach out to me when I have these conversations and – Rob, I'm going to ask you a question in a second, is that people reach out to me and they're like, well, you know, Bronco, I don't think the straight pole era jump applies to modern day pole vaulting. And what do you think about Mondo's jump? Or what do you think about Renault or Sam Kendricks or this guy? And that's, that's all well and good. Uh, but what I try to also explain to people is context is super, super important, right? Um, you know, if you are coaching Mondo, mm-hmm. awesome. And and maybe there's certain things that are very, very particular with that kind of situation dealing with a professional that merits what you are doing in your context, in your environment, in your atmosphere. But Rob, as, as a person who now is a sophomore year of uh, college, um, obviously you're at home right now because of the current situations, right. but like, you know, going through the club in high school, seeing, especially in our neck of the woods in the Northeast, in New Jersey, you know, seeing what you saw through high school and seeing even what you see in the local collegiate um, area. Um, why, why do you think I posted that video of Bob Richards jumping and started talking about the push-off? What are some things that you've noticed and what was your experience as a high school athlete and now collegiate? And, and I mean, take it where you want. Like, how, how does this video apply I to like, our context? Right. I feel like a lot of people, um, they – have a lot of misconceptions about the vault. So they think the reason I feel like a lot of the reason why you posted about the push off and you put a lot of emphasis on the push off is because there's a misconception that the bending of the pole is what allows you to get push off off the top of your grip right. for the most part, maybe. Yeah. And, but that was, but, and, and obviously I think, okay, if we're talking about, you know, professional athletes. Right. I, I mean, I, like, I don't think that bit, like I didn't post that video going, man, Rob, I'm going to make this video. I really hope Mondo watches it and changes what he's doing. Right. Right. That right. wasn't my goal at all. Right. The, and the biggest thing is obviously to try to help out someone who's just looking for information about the vault. Of course, like you're saying, like, you're not going to change anyone's mind. Who's like, has a set mindset of what they're doing. Like, Professional vaulters probably aren't going to change their mind. People that have been jumping in a system for years aren't really going to change their mind. But there are plenty of high school vaulters, especially in this time, who maybe like just got started last year 
only vaulted like a year with their high school, maybe didn't have a coach, maybe did have a coach, but it isn't like a great coach or whatever, or isn't the main pole vault coach or wasn't a pole vault. Or maybe pole vault is not their main event as the coach. You know, they might, they might be the throws coach and they have to also do the pole vault. You know what I mean? So they they have a rough idea of it. Um, But like, again, going to the video. Yeah. Why do you think that I post a video like that, looking back to when you were in high school, looking even collegially, what do you see are major issues when you watch people vault? I mean, I, first of all, especially at the collegiate level, I, people are bending the pole. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see yeah. a lot of straight poles. And I, don't, and I don't see a lot of people that are arguing against bending the pole. Like, the pole should bend. Yeah, no, one, no one's suggesting that like straight pole jumping is better than bent pole jumping. Right, right, right. So what do you see as like some of the major flaws that you saw, whether it's high school or college, what am I trying to address? Like, I mean, we, we've talked about this, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, wh- what do you see when you go to meets? Like uh, think back to even like going to counties in high school. Right. And I mean, you see, you see a lot of different things. I mean, you see a lot of people putting too much emphasis on bending the pole and putting too much emphasis. Whereas like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to like describe it, but it's like, you can, what you're, showing is that on straight pole you can get height just on a straight pole bending the pole shouldn't be the main priority of the jump i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i mean definitely also you know observing other coaches observing stuff that i've seen in meets again we're talking about high school maybe even like local college stuff there's a lot of people it's like the first priority is like okay we gotta bend this pole we gotta bend this pole i'll literally watch kids that are going practice after practice just trying to bend a pole and we're talking about also like, again, to give context for people who are, who are watching and listening, we're talking about like, you might be dealing with a freshman high school boy who's five foot four, 110 pounds. Like, it's like, dude, we can teach them how to do a proper takeoff, a swing, a turn. They could be, you know, trying to wrap a bungee or clear a bar yeah. well before the they pole actually starts to bend. bend right. Course, right. You know, and then again, and, and I think, the thing that I wanted you to talk about, because I think this was your bread and butter and why you achieved any kind of success, mm-hmm. you had a pretty good push-off, or you right. still have a good, I say it like he's not jumping <laughs> yeah. anymore. Like he's retired, guys. You know? <laughs> um, no, but like you have, a, you have a pretty good push-off, right. especially with the grip that you have, because your, your PR is 13.7. What were you gripping when you jumped 13.7? When I jumped 13.7, well, for the first time, I jumped it with 12.9 grip, Okay. and I believe I jumped it with 12.7 grip. Okay, so your best differential was 12.7 grip, jumping 13.7, but yeah. you've done it with as high as 12.9. Yeah. But th- that being said, you know, and again, for people who don't understand, you have to subtract the eight inches from, from the, the box, box, right? So it's like if we go with your, your even your highest, 12.9, yeah. my eight inches, it's 12.1, so 13.1 is a foot, mm-hmm. and then plus you did another six seven. inches, yeah, seven. right, because 13.7. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about 18-inch uh, push-off, right? right? So that's, that's Rob's push-off. I can't tell you how common it is, like going to a high school meet and there's a boy gripping 13, jumping 12, right. and then you see a girl gripping like 11, 9, jumping 10. Yeah, like these, these are very, very common. And you know, right. if you, you just do the math, right? 11, 9 grip minus 8 inches. So it's 11, 1. This girl is going 13 inches below her grip. Right. The guy is going, um, so 13 foot grip is he's going negative, uh, negative four inches, yeah. you know what I mean? Below right. his grip. I think you can do better. I, right. th- I think you can do better. And even in the video that I posted, I said, these are some elements 
from the straight pole era, I think you can take. Right. I didn't say, hey, jump exactly, exactly like this. this guy. Yeah, yeah, no, of course not. Because obviously it changed. And that is, that is the biggest thing and I think needs to be touched on is like, if you worry about jacking up your grip so much that it, you end up creating a negative push off of such an extent, like what, what's the point? You know what I mean? Because you can only jack up your grip so much to the point where like, are we going to keep going on this where you're gripping 15 and only jumping 13, six, you know what I mean? Because that's not better. Right. And so here's the thing too, that I think people have to think about. Um, you're either moving the pole or you're going up the pole. Right. And there's a percentage of effort that can go into either one of those. Right. right? And I think sometimes, again, there's checks and balances with everything. Of course. Of so course. if your grip keeps going up and all of a sudden your push off keeps going down, you could fall into a situation where all of a sudden you can't PR. Like yeah. I, I, my best story about this is I, before I started coaching the way I coach today, right? Like beginning that evolution, I, I, I would tell people I coach a very traditional Petrov Bupka model, like hands really high. You want a big reverse C, a lot of chest and, you know, stretch swing. And, um, I remember having a high school junior boy grip 13, jump 14 on a 14, 170, right? Kid worked really hard, you know, mm-hmm. all summer, lifting, jumping, training. We go to his first meet, he's gripping 13.9, nine inches higher, and he's mm-hmm. on a 14.770, so he's up 10 pounds of pole, right. and he jumped 12.6. And I was like, Yikes. something's not right, you right. know? And he actually, like most of that indoor struggled to get back to 14, which he eventually did, and then outdoor CPR jumping 14.4, but ironically, not from his full approach, he did it from a five after tweaking his hamstring. So he kind of could only end up going back to a five at that point in the year. And I think he was only gripping 13, three. So there you go. Yeah. So it's like, there were certain things. So I think sometimes if you're just chasing grip and trying to bend the pole more, right. You can start putting so much effort into that, like pole speed, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you're putting effort either into pole speed or swing speed. And it's like, so you could lose sight that you're slowing down the jump. Right. Much. The biggest thing is you need both. You can't, you can't have a jump that's all pole speed where you're just gripping 19 and then sitting over a bar. You don't like, that's, that's not ideal. And you don't, and you don't want to jump like, like a straight pole jump where your grip is lowered because you're not bending the pole, but you have an insane push yeah. off. And, and listen, I, I hate at this point, I know some of us might uh, be sick of line graphs at the point, this point of our <laughs> lives, but I have a line graph here, <laughs> right? So if, if you look at it, I think that, does that look clear? Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. Why does it look backwards? Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, if you see, we'll, we'll just ignore the words for a second. And uh, this is tough. Why does it do that? I didn't realize it does that. That's annoying. I don't think I could draw this backwards. <laughs> ah, damn it. All right. Basically, so, basically the idea is that you need to put your effort into either swing speed or pole speed. You can't. Right. So I'm going to post a picture of this on my Instagram, especially for the people who are just listening. Right. Yes. And you can pull this up, but going up the line graph here, this is your effort, right? And your mm-hmm. effort is zero to a hundred, hundred percent. Unlike, I know us coaches say 110%, but you can only put 100% of effort into anything or any two things, right? Like you can't put 100% effort in pole speed and 100% effort in swing speed. So it has to be managed, right? Right. Then on the bottom, you have time of the jump. Zero, meaning like you just took off, 
to the end of the jump where it's finished and I have the 50% point halfway through the jump uh, uh, dotted out, right? right? Now, the green line here, um, and it'll be a red line on Instagram, I think, mm -hmm. is the swing speed, right? And then the black line is pole speed. If you notice at the beginning of the jump, right, your pole speed, like almost like 75, 80% of your effort is pole speed. Where at the beginning of the jump, maybe only like 20, 25% is swing speed. Then when the jump is halfway done, meaning here's the pole at takeoff, and we're like halfway to vertical, that's halfway point of the jump, it's 50-50. 50% of your effort is pole speed, 50% of your effort is swing speed, and then as the pole continues going past the 50% point, you start to focus more on swing speed and less on pole speed because the pole's almost at vertical. Right. And you need to worry about getting your hips up so that you can play the bar right. and get and, the push off. And I apologize if I'm not explaining this really, really well, um, or this is over maybe somebody's head, but like basically that's the optimal way. I'm not saying that's how everybody jumps all the time, right. but you want that you your want. swing speed matches the pole speed, right? And that you can continue to move the pole through the entire jump. Right. You don't want, what you don't want to happen is you don't want to hit takeoff and then move the pole as much as it can and then it not move at all afterwards. Right. Through your swing or anything like that. Right. And so like, again, going back to that straight pole era jump, and again, that's a little bit of a tough angle, right. uh, but you can get uh, other angles that show it better. During the straight pole era, those guys were moving the pole through the entire jump. That right. pole kept moving as they swung. Whereas like what Rob is saying, I think a lot of times, again, context matters. I'm not talking about professionals right now. And honestly, even if a professional was doing something wrong, they're clearly doing it well enough and maybe they need to stick to that. Right. Which I mean, and we'll revisit the professional yeah, thing in a minute. But, yeah. but like, so in the context of coaching high school athletes, coaching even college athletes, yeah, college. even coaching in an area where you have a plethora of people that are trying pole vault. Like I was explaining to someone through DMs the other day. It's like, listen, in my context, I'm trying to grow the sport in my area. There's yeah. a lot of beginners and novices coming in to try pole vault. You know, I need them to move the pole through the entire jump. And what I notice in this area and in this context, there's a lot of people, like you said, Rob, they hit takeoff. There's some pole bend. The pole moves a little bit. And then to swing, they have to stop moving the pole. Right. You know, you have someone that comes down. They got a big bottom arm. They block a lot. And then they just completely collapse that bottom arm to just lean back. Mm -hmm. And then the pole the stops pole, moving. The pole stops moving. Then yeah. it, becomes, it, can, it can become dangerous if you need well, to <laughs> okay, before also, we even yeah, get, to, we get that, to that, but I, I don't know if I want to say dangerous, but what I, what I would say is like, you're not going to move the pole as well. And you're also not going to achieve the push off. Right. Again, going to the example of that high school boy that's gripping 13 that jumps 12, that kid is coming in and smashing into the box and mm -hmm. then just completely just like leaning back to try to swing. And now they fall off the top of the jump yeah, and they and end up with a negative four inch push off. Right. I want to help that athlete hook up with the jump better. And, and even me saying hook up with the jump, I think some of the things that we need to start to talk about in the pole vault is language. Like, what does this mean? What does it mean to hook up with the jump? Yeah. It, you know, some sure. people even use the term, you know, beat the bend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you've got to swing and get to that cover position, your hip, 
has to get to at least your bottom hand so that you can turn effectively and push off the top of the pole. Right. And going back to your point of like using the video as like a guide, like what he's showing is that they are moving well, I'm the, right here. You can say I'm <laughs> what Bronco's showing through his post was that he in the straight pole era, they always were moving the pole throughout the entire jump. There was never a point where they were putting all their effort and just going up the pole and made sure that the pole stopped moving. Right. Right. And like, I can't even imagine like if you, again, I think a lot of coaches do like straight poles, straight yes. pole drills, right? Of course. So it's like, if you go on a straight pole and you just try to slam into the box and lean back, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Like you're not even going to come close. You know what I mean? No, to having course. any kind of push off and you're probably going to struggle to get into the pit. Um, you know, so again, I, and I think this is the key word, right? Like talking about language where I think people really, really, it's like, oh no, he used that word. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't, don't use like, it. What's your experience even like you, you know, going through this club and talking to people outside of the club at meets mm. and now going to college when we use the word pull, right? We use the word pull. What do you think the problem is? What happens when, when you're talking to someone and, and they ask it, Rob, What's pulling about? Like, what, what has been your experience talking to people? Well, about I feel it? like a lot of people disregard it as, be, as a way to pole vault because they think pulling is bad because you need to push the pole into the box. That's the only way to get it moving forward is to push it in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're, you're crazy. Like, why would, you, why would you pull? And the reason... If you pull, you're going to pull the pole, pole back, back to the ground. And that's the biggest misconception. We're not pulling we're not pulling with our bicep we're not pulling to collapse we're not trying to collapse we're not doing any of that i thought that's the only way to pull no bronco wrong wrong so rob enlighten me <laughs> so when your hands are above your head you want to hit a takeoff where your your hands are in a good takeoff spot and then your hands go up above your head so you have leverage and then you can pull with your lats which is still a pull right and you're pulling your hips up to your Above hands. your hands. Right. Yeah. No, I, listen, I think that's, again, and this is where, you know, even someone was DMing me and they're like, maybe I just don't understand you. I go, and I, and I messaged back and I was like, I agree. Right. You right. know, because I, I do think there's a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. I think that the word pull has become so bad in the pole vault. Like it's a right. bad word because especially once fiberglass came about, it's like people are like, well, you have to, if you bend the, the pole, pole more, you can grip higher. And then the other thing is they're like, well, some people are collapsing at takeoff and I don't want to collapse. Right. I don't think you're trying to collapse when of you course. jump. No. I also would warn people that it really depends on where in the progression of your vaulting career and athletic career you are. Meaning I don't know if you're, five, again, five foot four, you weigh 110 pounds, you're gripping nine, nine. Like how extended can the bottom arm really yeah, be at that, that point? That's the because biggest I, thing. Yeah, because I think a critical thing that I tried to explain in that straight pull video is that the important thing is not so much that your bottom arm is fully extended. No. It's that the bottom hand is above your head. So you have right. leverage to pull in the fashion that we're trying to explain. And so the other thing is like, look, I get it. If someone runs in and their bottom hand collapses because they don't do anything at takeoff, that's bad. Of if someone is running down and before the pole hits the back of the box, they hug the pole right. and they collapse bad. in, that's bad. 
different. Um, if someone runs down and they're really trying to bend the pole and they push on a pole, that's not going to bend a lot. They might collapse. A lot of, a lot of things cause a collapsed bottom arm, but not all of those things are pulling. Right. And on the other end of the spectrum, you can have someone have an extended bottom arm and they are pulling, pulling. because Correct. they're not trying to pull. I always tell people, it's not like you're trying, you're not trying to push your hands down by your hips. No. You're trying to pull your hips above your hands. Right. You know, even I heard someone use like, oh, why would you ever pull down on your arm? It's like, well, you're not trying, first of all, you're not pulling down on your arm. You're right. using your arm to pull your body up. I always use high bar stuff as an example. Yeah. If you do a pullover, right? Or if you try to go upside down on a rope, are you right. pushing or pulling? Right. That's the biggest thing. It, that's exactly what I was going to bring up too, is like, you wouldn't consider that a push if you're going upside down on a rope. And that's basically right. what we're trying to accomplish in the pole vault right. on, a, on a similar scale. Yeah. L- listen, I, I was in Akron one year and I'm not going to name names. Mm-hmm. I was in Akron one year and, and a coach, very, very good coach. I think this guy's awesome. Had a great career. He's talking about rope drills mm-hmm. and during the presentation, he says, look, when you do the rope drill to do it appropriately, your hands are up here and you got to pull yourself upside down. Right. And one of my athletes like raised his hand. He's like, so when do you want to pull in the pole vault? And the coach said, oh, no, no, no. Don't do that when you jump. So then I, in my mind, I was like, and I didn't want to cause a, a scene, so, but it's like timeout. Yeah. So one, if your claim is you don't do that in the pole vault, then why, why are you? Are you- why do you do it on the rope? Why, right. why, why do, do you the rope have the drill? drill? Yeah. Don't do the drill. Right. Two, clearly you see some importance in this drill and there is some kind of carryover. I think the problem becomes that a lot of people don't want to take the time to explain a lot of nuance. Right. Right? right. And I agree. And I think even, you know, your experience at the club, like, okay, once you started coming into Apex, can you walk us through like, did you come once a week, once every other week? Did you come in like just during winter track? How did it work for you? So, well, it first started like going into the winter season, we didn't have a place to jump at like my school and stuff. What year was this? Sophomore year of high school. school. Okay. So that's when I first started coming into the club and I started coming in three days a week because I was like, well, why not? You know, yeah, get yeah, more yeah. jump time. Yeah, again, guys, this is the PV professor. He's He's geeked out on pole vault. So, <laughs> so anyway, I started coming in for that just to have a place to jump while, while we're in winter in the winter season so that I didn't. Yeah. Because at that point I had only jumped spring of outdoor high school. Yeah. Of your freshman, freshman year. year. Yeah. And so. What was the question again? I was start, so I started like, doing what, that. What, what is your training regimen here? Like how often do you come? Do you come once a season what, all year round? Like what, what is customary here at Apex? Like how often do people come right. in? Right. And so not everyone comes in three days a week all year round, but I, and even now I only come in two days a week and right. for the past couple of seasons. And obviously it's changed when I go to college and right. Stuff like when that. you're away from of home. Course. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people come in two to three times a week through throughout the year throughout the year yeah like this is just what you do you have to come in not like you have to but like people want to come in year round right and they train and this is again this is so big it's so important the context is so important when you have people coming in year round and you have them training here and and again we're not even going to get into lifting but we have a lifting program that everybody does that helps them get stronger and faster but like you as an instructor 
have to be able to level up all the time. I can't have, let's say, these are the core three drills, Robert. Oh, yeah. And you've graduated. You're done. Because <laughs> why the hell would he keep coming back in? There's nothing else to yeah, learn. Yeah, what, what's, what's there to do? You have to keep evolving. You have to, like, take any other sport, for example. Like, take, I don't know, what do you want? Like, MMA? Or uh, something yeah, like I that. always use the martial arts example. Yeah, you have, you're going through the belt system. Yeah, you're going through the belt system. You're leveling up. You're, and even think about it from, like, like a mixed martial arts, if you're training for like a fight or something like that, and there's, right. and there's a specific guy that you're training for, yeah. you're going to mix up your training to be better combated against right. that you guy. Right, you have to have a different focus. Yeah. And, and even, like, here's the thing. You might even do sometimes like, okay, this is the same drill. Let's say it's just takeoff, right, from a three. Right. Yeah, like a takeoff drill. But as you go through from being a white belt to a blue belt to whatever, so on and so forth, that drill is done differently and there's right. a different intensity. There's a different feeling. There's- yeah. And there's a different level. Like, for example, like Bronco could say to a novice, like doing a takeoff drill for the first time, or, you know, maybe it's a second day and he's doing it a lot better than he was the first day. He'd be like, really good. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, maybe it's not like technically that good, but it's way better for them. Right. right Whereas right. like if I do a takeoff drill or someone or someone else who's yeah, like yeah. super been here for a long time, it's like we could do a takeoff drill that is better technically. Right. But it's like you're correcting us on because different it's not good things. For you. Right. It's a different Yeah. I, I almost think of it as like from a coaching perspective, you're looking at it like a beginner almost it's like it's like looking at a landscape with your eyes. Right. Then it's like you start using binoculars mm-hmm. and then eventually you get to the microscope level right, right. where, you know what I mean? You're cutting it up so much. Um, so, so you have to add all these layers and you have to keep adding and adding and adding layers. Um, and that, that's just, I mean, if you're going to jump year round, if you're going to have people jump year round, it has to be done that way. And, and yes. that, that way people's jumps can keep evolving. Going back to the MMA example. I mean, that, that's why it takes like, takes usually at a reputable gym it takes 10 years to get your black belt right, right. going back like because I, I i feel like uh we need to go back to pulling yeah but like when you've had conversations whether it's with a teammate mm-hmm. or with a fellow competitor and they ask you about pulling what are their questions to you what don't they understand and how do you explain it to them so a lot of the time when I explain it to them, like, no, like you need to try to pull your hips up to like someone who hasn't been in, been around pole vault people a lot. They're like, Oh, like that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because think about it. Like you need to pull your hips up. Like your hips are what need to go over the bar. You need to get your hips up as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. And this is the easiest way to do that. And so, but to someone who's been training, a lot of people kind of like they question you, not like question you, but they're like, they like are skeptical, I guess is right. the best word. Right. And they're, they kind of, they kind of, a lot of the times they just dismiss you and like, they're not like, yeah. they, like they don't, I mean, you're at a track meet, so you're not really going to get into like a full fledged argument or anything right, like right, that right, about right. it. But you know, what ends up happening is like, I end up explaining like, no, like this allows my hips to go up this and then they typically come back with like, but you could grip a lot higher or you could do this right. that, or the other. And it's like, maybe, maybe I could grip higher. But would maybe. I jump, would I, would I jump higher? And like, 
there's all these factors. And it's like, I feel like with pulling, you allow yourself to jump as high as you can with what speed you can create yourself, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, again, go again, we're talking about context. Mm -hmm. Like, I think with what we see at meets, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are losing speed at the box because they're slamming into the box. Right. And they're really trying to keep that bottom arm locked out and they run into trouble. Right. You know what I mean? And so they, I think I would argue that they're actually not moving as much grip effectively as they can, mm-hmm. but they're literally could maybe grip higher. Then the other thing is they're certainly not hooking up with the jump. Right. I, I mean, again, and I wish, you know, I had the time and I apologize because I'm about to like kind of make up a statistic. Right. <laughs> but like, I haven't done the study and nobody's going to do the study, but if you walk around through high schools and most colleges, the major, major issue is that you have a lot of kids that don't come close to even clearing their grip a lot of times. Right. I, I see athletes who, again, let's, let's talk about even the inverted position, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Trying to get inverted. A lot of people push lean back, which again, so many people that I've talked to are like, no, 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 Bronco, I don't want my athletes to lean back, right? Right. But here's the thing. One, if you like push, that. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're going to block and you're going to push at takeoff, you're just going to lean back. Like that's and then, like a natural thing that happens. Right. And when you lean back, the big problem is your center of mass is too far away from your hands. So now when you turn, you're just going to fall off the pole and you're going to have like a negative four inch push off. Right? right. Where I always tell people, I'm like, I've had several jumps in my life where let's say it was just an early jump in the competition or I just wasn't feeling fast where I didn't come close to inverting. Right. Because mm-hmm. I just didn't swing fast enough. I couldn't get there quick enough. I went to the turn, didn't get inverted, and still had an eight-inch push-off. Right. And I always tell people, what would you rather have? Hit a perfect invert in negative four, or would you rather have a half swing and then turn and get an eight-inch push-off? Right. And I think we all know the answer to that right. question. And going back to, like, hooking up with the jump and, yeah. like, some, and, like, branching off with that, like, a lot of the times when people push, it's, like, you delay the swing a little bit. Does that Right. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, well, go, go into detail with that. Like, what, so I feel like... like what I want you to think about, like, again, like, we don't have to name names. No. But, like, literally as you're explaining this, try to think about someone that you're, like, you know yeah. what I mean, that you've had experience with this. Like, what, what happens? And, again, for the people that are listening, when I did that video and I'm explaining, you know, you want to allow your hands to go up at takeoff. You want – and you got to jump up to do that. Of course. You yes. want to pull with your bottom hand through the swing and then start pulling with the right hand through the turn and push off. Yep. If you watch that Instagram video and what I'm trying to explain, walk us through what, what do these athletes that you're thinking about right now, what do they think they're doing? What are they actually doing? And what do you think is holding them back? So I think what they're, what they think they're doing, let's start with that. They think they're, I'm I'm that guy, I'm your teammate. And I'm like, dude, pulling is bullshit. Okay. So what, go ahead. So basically what I, what I bet you think you're doing is you think you're moving a bigger pull and bigger grip than you could have if you were to pull into the pit. Sure. And I'd argue that if you were to pull, like what, what's, what's actually – here, let's go with what's actually happening. What's actually happening is you're pushing and you're yeah. – maybe you're moving the pole, you're bending the pole more maybe, and then you're – but you're lowering your center of mass. Right. And what happens is you delay your swing or because you're pushing into the – I'm continue with what, yeah. 
what also you're doing, right? Like, so yes, let's even uh, give the argument. You're bending the pole more. You're moving the pole into the pit. But as Rob was explaining, your center of mass is staying down because you're pushing. Right. And all this time, the pole continues to move. move. So you have less time now to beat the bend or finish the cover. Right. And so what ends up happening is you can't, you can't recover. You can't beat the bend per se. If you, if you do that too much and you might argue like you need to work harder to beat the bend or this, that, and the other, but it's like, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Like if you were to pull at takeoff and you were like, get your hands above your head, pull with your lats at takeoff one, you're not delaying the swing at all. Once, once your hands go up, it's immediate. You're, your hips are going up, your hips are going up and your hips are getting to your hands. Right. And, and so, uh, again, sorry to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. I think also what's important when you pull, you could put some effort into moving the pole and some effort, not a hundred percent, right? Of course. You have a total of a hundred, but you can put a percentage of effort into moving the pole and a percentage of effort into swinging. And I also think Off- those are a little interrelated because, the- but hold, hold on, yeah, finish what you're saying. What I was going to say is, the athlete that's pushing at takeoff, and we're going to go to another option okay. after this, but the athlete that's pushing at takeoff, what's happening is you have to choose one or the other. Right. You're either moving the pole or you're either leaning back and trying to get upside down. You're swinging. You cannot split. There's no way to move the pole and swing up. It's, it's really, really difficult. I mean, again, not trying to name names, but you can find videos of, of even, you know, people that are jumping super high that they really like lock out and they've got to give up on that lockout, that block out, and then just yeah, and then try they, to lean back. And they yeah. In. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's, that's a lot of the time. I feel like I've heard people say it's like finding, it's like people that do that. It's like finding that balance of when to, right. When, in. when to collapse. And it's like, but why, why wait, why not just do it right away so that your hips go up faster. Right. And the biggest thing is, like you were saying, you can put effort into moving the pole and moving your body when you are pulling, okay. when you're swinging. And I, why I say they're interrelated is because I feel like when you are moving your body up and you're moving your body to the other side of the pole, per se, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That is, what's, that is allowing the pole to move through the jump as you're pulling your body up. Yeah. And the thing is, when when that, when like the people who push and the athletes bend their collapse, collapse their bottom arm, they end, that's what ends up happening is if they do it correctly, they end up moving the pole through their turn and yeah, yeah. they can, they can get a little bit more pole speed, but it's, it's very, very hit or miss. Cause it's like that. It's like, yeah, it's like a split second. It's like, right. Right. You're, you're like trying to find the perfect time to, you know, you know, like, Right. And it's like, what would be the cue? Like, say they did it, you know, a tenth of a second too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and listen, like, I, I'm very big on coaching movement instead of, of positions. Yes. And so it's like, you have to feel the pole moving. And yeah, maybe you could time that up. But literally, you know, listen, once you collapse, that pole is really stopping the movement. Yeah. You might get it to move a little bit more once you start actually going through the turn. Right. Know, maybe. Yeah, if you're but going through the turn correctly. If you're yeah. not close enough to vertical, I mean, that's just a jump you're going to bail out of. Of course. You know? Yep. Um, now, you know, let's talk other options, right? So we've okay. been talking push or pull, right? Right. 
Uh, what if I told you, Rob, like, well, I'm just going to roll my hands forward. Well, I'd, I'd argue that that's putting you in a worse position. Or, what? And the reason I say that is because when you're rowing your hands forward, you're effectively, you're effectively doing what the push did, if that makes sense, because you're lowering your center of mass by putting your hands out in front of you. Right. I, I also, what I mentioned with the row is like when you're rowing forward, if you think about it, it's, it's almost like you're pushing your hands down. So yeah. like, right, like I'm trying to get into a handstand on top of my hands. Mm-hmm. If I could, I wouldn't want my hands to get any lower. I'd want them to stay as high as possible. And I want my body to go above my hands. Right. By rowing forward, yes, your center of mass is still going to stay low, but then it's like you're not going to hook up with the jump effectively because your hands are kind of out of position, right? Um, what if I told you I'm just not going to do anything with my bottom arm? Well, I'd argue that that's like why why would you waste that the mus the muscle in your bottom arm like why would you waste it? Like what why why do nothing when you could do something? Right. And so this and we, we were talking about this podcast, like me and Rob were talking about this uh, the other day after I had posted and we were talking about some of the DMs and comments. And I think sometimes what happens in the pole vault world, which I think is a problem, mm-hmm. is we're in this like echo chamber of pole vault and yes. we just keep talking pole vault jargon, which if you go far enough, it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So like... I, I like to look at other stuff. You know, I, I look, I, I really uh, focus a lot of time on the strength and conditioning world. I, I, I've read like Charlie Francis's manuals about training Ben Johnson. I, I know that's bad, Rob, because Ben Johnson did steroids. Um, and no other 100 meter runner ever did. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I, and here's the thing oddly enough, in the strength and conditioning world, Charlie Francis is extremely respected. A lot of strength and conditioning coaches who, you know, their only job is to get athletes of any sport stronger and faster. They respect Charlie Francis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches, they definitely don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) That's sarcasm for everybody listening. Um, But, um, you know, I I tried to study as much Charlie Francis stuff as I could. I studied Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. You know, then also I like to look at other sports like MMA, like American football, like, you know, and in the MMA world, you know, um, I remember in jujitsu specifically, there's the Gracies are famous for introducing the world to Brazilian jujitsu, right? And they have this wonderful, wonderful system. And one of their best coaches ever is John Donaher. He trained George St. Pierre, which is a world, he's world champion, arguably the best MMA fighter ever. And John Donaher, I mean, he was on Joe Rogan once. I, I promise you, if you are a coach and you love coaching, and I think even athletes could appreciate this podcast, listen to the John Donaher podcast on Joe Rogan. There are so many gems of information in that about coaching, about being an athlete. It's just wonderful. And so I want you to think about this. Pulling is a bad word in pole pole. In the jujitsu world, it used to be really bad to do leg locks. It was like embarrassing. Like yeah. you couldn't choke the guy out or give him an arm bar. So you had to do a leg lock. You suck. So nobody worked on leg locks, right? Right. 
And John Donaher said he was coaching at the gym and, and this one professional jujitsu guy came in w- one time and he was like actually like famous for leg locks. And John Donaher's like, wow, why do you, why why do, do, you do, do leg locks? And his response to John Donaher was, why would I ignore 50% of the body? Exactly. And this is what I, for people who are like, oh, don't do anything with your left hand. Yeah. Why, why would you ignore your, your bottom hand? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like if you did a pullover on a high bar, why would you just be like, well, just use one arm. And well, hold on with the other one and just use the one well, arm. Well, people, and you know, you know what people might say to you, Bronco? What might people say to me? People might say, but you tell people you don't want them to pull with your, you don't want them to do anything with your right hand at the first part of your swing. Right. So what, and the way I explain that, right, is like, you really would have a tough time pulling with your top arm at the beginning of the jump because you're trying to swing around your right hand. Right. So you have to have a nice tight grip. You hold on. And actually what I would say, mm-hmm. once, again, this is layered stuff. I think yeah. to a beginner, I'd be like, hey, just hold on with your right hand. Mm-hmm. But as you start to advance, you know, what I would tell people is like, really what you're doing with your top arm as you swing in the beginning of the jump, you're kind of pulling almost like a lever Mm-hmm. instead of a pullover with your right arm until you get to the turn and then, and you, then you really, really pull. pull. Right. Yeah. So it's like, there's still something going on with the right arm. Right. I don't, I don't think, I think sometimes I don't completely accurately explain this because also it's not something I can do in a 30 second post. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I can explain, let's say to a beginner on the first time, never pull bolted. It's something that needs the depth of a podcast episode. Like and, this. I th- and I think the biggest, the biggest thing on that point is because if you were to do something with your right arm, like if you were to not just do what you were talking about with like a little lever and yeah. then incorporate it in the turn, you're going to be out of position and you're going to end up not being able to turn, not being able to get through the middle of the jump. Right, right. Because, because then what's going to happen is when you hit the cover where you should turn, your right arm won't be in a good position where yeah. you have leverage to actually pull through the turn. Like, I'll just, I have an Apex shirt on. <laughs> so if like you, you see this, that's like the cover position. And you can see the vaulter here, the hip is to the bottom hand and the right arm or the, the top arm is fully extended. Then they can actually pull and bend the right elbow and pull through the turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you, let's say, pulled and bent your right elbow too early, yeah. you're, like you said, you're out of position. You can't, you can't pull effectively through the turn now. You're going to fall off the top of the jump. Yeah. So you can only really like pull effectively you know, with the left arm. You can do more of a lever action with your, with your right. To assist. Yeah, right. but you can't really go crazy with the right arm and yeah and i think that's the biggest distinction is like why why do something with your left arm because it can help you why not do something with your right arm because it can only hurt you right um yeah so i mean i think those are some of the the variations right like Mm -hmm. we talked about pulling yes we're trying to explain it um then we talked about pushing we talked about rowing and we talked about doing nothing, nothing, you know, what about jumping without a pole? Jumping without a pole is called long jump or high jump. (laughs) Uh, no, but, um, even if you want to talk about top arm pressure, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, you got to really move. That's similar to rowing. That's yeah. You just, you're really focused on one arm over the other, but again, it's going to make you a little bit out of position. Right. Um, 
so the other criticism that I often get, and we can talk about something that you mentioned before, mm-hmm. some people are like, well, you know, Bronco, this technique is dangerous. Right, right. Someone right. could get, I'm, I'm worried someone will watch your video and get hurt. You know, I mean, first of all, you as an athlete, do you feel that this technique is dangerous? Um, personally, after doing the technique for four years, I don't think this technique is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I did only do like a season with my other, with my high school coach Yeah. and you know, maybe I didn't try it enough, but I, I mean, I had a couple where I landed in the box, landed on the runway Yeah, yeah. and, and, and here's what I want to say about dangerous vaulting. Mm-hmm. And I always try to do this because I, I remember actually talking to a buddy of mine on the phone and, and we, we coach very similarly. And I, I said, you know, I feel like sometimes, especially like if you coach a certain technical model or whatever, and again, you end up in a little echo chamber. You only yeah. talk to people who no, coach absolutely. like you and jump like you. So, you, you know, now you're always agreeing. And I go, we always used to fall on that. Like, well, our, our technique is just so much safer. And here's the thing. I don't actually believe any technique is safer or more dangerous. Right. I think pole vault in general is a dangerous well, thing to do. Yeah, there's danger in pole vault. But what, what I was going to say is like, I think you can coach any technique or any model safely or unsafely, right? right? Like if I started all of a sudden over gripping people and they're not getting into the pit, they can get hurt. Correct. Or Vice versa. Let's yeah. say like in this podcast, we've been kind of talking about how we don't like blocking. I'm telling you 100%. I could coach people to block and they would be safe because I wouldn't overgrip them. I even told somebody, I'm like, dude, I can have people helicopter into the pit. I could try to coach helicoptering into the pit. Yeah, you can and, do anything safe. And just keep the grip low enough where it's going to be safe. Right. Is that going to be optimal? Are they going to jump as high as they possibly can? That's up for debate. We argue but, Yeah, but the whole, my, again, my thing is the whole safety thing that just bugs me out. Like, really? Like, I don't, I don't know that me coaching an analysis video, straight pole era jumper and saying, Hey, these little pieces of elements of the jump can be implemented. Uh, you know, that's going to hurt somebody. Also, I would, I would mention, I have seen people do all kinds of crazy stuff on Instagram and social media and YouTube. I mean, people are setting up like, poles with ropes and hanging on them and bending them upside down. And I noticed there's not a crash pad underneath them and the pole could break and they slam on their head. Or even a lot of the spotting drills that people do in pole boat where like the person's taking a couple steps and jumping up and trying to bend the pole and someone holds Holds them up. I mean, I can't imagine if like I was just in high school and I saw that video and I didn't know anything and I'm like, hey, Rob, let's try that drill together. And there's no coach supervising us. And then Rob grabs my ankles instead of my, my, my back yeah. and I fall backwards head first and crack my skull open. I mean, a lot of things could be dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. I, I think it's, that's not a fair criticism. And like, yeah. listen, even drills that we don't do at apex and even some things that maybe I consider dangerous, right? If they're done properly, they're not dangerous. Right. You no, know, and, if, and, and if they, anything done properly, it, Anything, not anything. No, no, no. But any like any pole vault technique done properly and done with the right coaching and done with a good coach. Could be done safely. Anything. And, and listen, maybe also, like I always as a coach, I'm like risk versus reward, right? That's why a lot of times like at Apex, 
one, again, context, especially prior to COVID, right? It's like we have 20 people at the club, 10, per, 10 people per pit, two coaches. We're coaching a session. There's not really a lot of time for spotting drills. And then also it's like risk versus reward. Like yeah. if somebody got hurt and like how much better is this drill going to make them? But now that being said, right, if maybe, I don't know, let's say instead of Rob being a 13-7 guy, Rob was like a, I don't know, 19-3 guy. And we're trying to, you know, make sure we go to the Olympics this summer. I mean, it's not that Ma- far. Not that far. It's just a couple <laughs> feet. Uh, but like, but like, you know, maybe that drill is warranted for us in our situation. Yeah, if we, you know, if we thought yeah. that yeah, could give us the last. Right. That's going to get us the Olympics, right? right? That, that little percentage or even heck, even if you are a high school coach and you have a kid that's trying to win States or whatever the case may be, and right. you feel like the risk is worth the reward. Hey, that we are taking risks just by pole vaulting. Exactly. You know what I That's, mean? That was the point I was trying to make earlier. Right, right. right. So it's like, you know, I, I really don't like the whole danger thing. I mean, yeah. we, we just brought up like MMA and jujitsu. <laughs> People are paying money to get punched in the mouth. Like, you know what I mean? Over it's and like, over. Yeah, or like getting arm barred and yeah. stuff like that. So these things, have, we're all making choices. Like, I want to do this sport. Absolutely. And this whole danger thing, it, it just really throws me away. And, and here's the thing. I'm at the very least, I don't just have that analysis video up. Right. I have instructional videos on my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can literally go to the Apex YouTube channel and look at every single drill progression we have where I literally walk you through and it's done in a very safe manner. Right. I'm not just putting out one video and that's it. I didn't figure it out. You know, Um, the other thing is I constantly have people reaching out to me from all over the country who I I get on the phone with them. I answer their emails. I'm helping them out and trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? What do we need to do? Trying to set that kid up and be like, all right, here's the video of these drills. This is how many times you should do it. Then progress to this drill sequence and whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, I, I find it hard to believe that I'm the bad guy yeah. in this situation, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. Again, that doesn't mean you need to agree with me. I mean, if you look at the video and you're like, listen, Bronco, I don't agree. Bronco, I listened to your podcast with Rob. I think you guys are completely wrong. I believe in X. That's fine. And here's my thing. I'm very big on this. I love pole vault. I love the pole vault community. I want pole vaulting to grow. I really wouldn't care if you want to run backwards down the runway and helicopter over bars. God bless. Like, do whatever you want to do. It's your choice. Yeah. You do what you want. All I'm doing when I present my social media is like, hey, this is how we do it here. And this is what we've, like, learned. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. Like, listen, there's all different ways to, to make Thanksgiving stuffing, right? There's all different types of recipes that involve all different types of ingredients. This is just our stuffing, Right. You don't like it. You don't have to have it. You I know bet, what I mean? But I, but I bet you the person who made that stuffing says it is the best stuffing. The best stuffing they've ever had. Hopefully. Well, hopefully. But listen, I, listen, I'm very serious on this. If they're not happy with the, <laughs> the, the recipe, please email me. I'll try to help you as much as possible. And maybe I can even point you and steer you in the right direction for someone else that can help you in a different way. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that's the big thing too, is just like, I, 
I get like if you disagree and you could disagree and I, I welcome the comments and I welcome the DMs. And, and, and it's not that we don't like talking about people that disagree. Like I, I love talking to people that disagree and like sure, trying yeah. to like understand because the thing is the more I understand about what they're saying, the yeah. more it gives us like tips because they can say something that could like register with what we actually do. Sure. Sure. It, it, listen, even if I'm on completely the other side, there might be something that's like, Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Or there's some common ground or there's or, like a cue that they give that could work. Sure. Sure. And, and even I would say, even forget about, I mean, there's more in common with pole vault than not common. Like we're all running down a runway and trying to jump over a stick with another stick, right? So it's like, there's other things that we can talk about that are common ground. I mean, I've had plenty of coaches reach out to me who are starting clubs or whatever, and they may not coach exactly like me, but they have questions about running a club. You know what I mean? Like, why would, like, even if you disagree with me technique wise and you're starting a club for the first time, like probably not a bad idea to reach out and ask me some questions about running yeah. a club, you know or what I mean? For anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there, there's stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's anything that we didn't, we didn't talk about. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention? Well, we both have notes. This is how <laughs> you know we're both nerds. <laughs> didn't you have something else about, um, well, I, I have maybe one more story. Um, one more story and one more comment. Do, did you have anything else? Well, yeah, I could. T- we could talk about like uh, more about movement and positions. So, like, um, I know you always talk about how you're not big on positions. You're more yeah. big on movement. I think the biggest thing that we like to point out with when you pull is that you're getting into those positions, those ideal positions, yeah. without thinking about positions per se. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I cannot remember the sprint coach's name right now. Uh, I was at a coach's clinic. This is years ago. And I really, I'm, I apologize guys. I can't remember the sprint coach's name. I think he's from Texas tech at the time, but I, I saw Jim B Miller speak who obviously coached Tim Mack to Olympic gold mm-hmm. and Richard Fulford, one of his first athletes was there. And we were talking about like baby hurdles, you know, or running through wickets, whatever you call it. Yeah. And um, what I loved uh, I feel like the name Anderson is coming to my head, but anyway, he was talking about like all the phases of sprinting, right? Like right. the cycle of sprinting, right? Like, and all the different positions of running. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said, and again, I think if you like, like, it's not that you never talk about positions, but no. he was trying to explain simply. He's like, it's funny. He goes, I never talk about any of these positions in sprinting. Like I never talk about the cycles He goes, I just go knee up, foot down, and they run through wickets. And shockingly, when I videotape them, they hit all these positions, right? Exactly. And so sometimes there's a danger, a risk, if you keep hammering positions. Because, listen, I think it's disingenuous. Like, it's not that I never mention a position at the club. Oh, of course. Like, a beginner comes in. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, we do a swing to a sit, right? They swing, land on their butt into the pit. I'm like, listen, I want you to land like this, left leg straight, right knee bent, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and even we were talking about getting our hands above our head. I mean, that's like a position. Sure. But it's all in the, in the overall overarching theme of movement. Like these positions will happen through the movement and you have to, and you have to be fully aware of that movement. That, that I think is critical, you know? Right. Absolutely. I agree. And what I was like getting at it. How do you feel 
focusing on movement versus position has helped you in your pole vaulting career? Um, I mean, for me personally, I feel like it's definitely helped me a lot because I remember – this is actually like a story that I, my freshman year before I had come to the club, mm-hmm. I was jumping at an – 10 foot bar maybe at the time or something like that and we we had all been we'd been talking about trying to get inverted obviously right right, that's like a big thing yeah yeah. and so i remember i went down i missed the bar by a lot yeah he took the video and he's like oh you hit that position and he got so pumped for me right and coach is super happy that you hit the position but you missed the bar and but i missed the bar and and like at the time i was like yeah, like, that's good. Like, I'm, like, develop and But, like, looking back at it, it's, like, why was that important if it didn't help me clear the next bar? You know what I mean? Yeah, you probably should have got to the turn sooner. Probably, yeah, yeah, like yeah. And you know what I love when I see, like, on Instagram, like, all the people that post, like, if they post, like, stills or they post, yeah, like, pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. of, like, them hitting positions and stuff. Right. And it's, like, it's good. It's well and good, but it's, like, you notice the polls, like, um already almost at vertical and they're still right like the they're cover. they're inverted and the pole like has no more room mm-hmm. to roll over they've got to get off, off the, the pole. pole yeah um yeah and and even you know again i would always caution people it's like i i get like especially like the bottom arm thing let's say you collapse all the time and you shouldn't right let's say you're gripping high enough and, yeah, and yeah. you're athletic enough and so you really shouldn't be collapsing and you finally aren't collapsing that bottom arm all right but I would also warn people, it's like, dude, you post that picture and that's in, in a jump that you missed the bar. Yeah. It's like, like how why? important is that? Yeah. It's like, why? Right. Like that position should be leading to something. Even if it's not, even if it's not a make, it should be like, okay, did you blow through? Like, yeah, did you go up a grip? Did you move the yep. pole better? Do you have to go up a pole? Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like it has to go somewhere. Yeah. It has to lead to something and it has to progress. You, you can't hit a position just for the sake of hitting a position. Right. Like, because that's, that's disingenuous. I, well, maybe not disingenuous, but like, that's like not, that's like not ideal. Like you shouldn't just be aiming to hit positions. You need to be aiming to clear the bar. Right, right. And, and look, I think definitely, you know, you have learned a lot about movement. And that's why I think a lot of times out of me, you're very good. It's like, you might be blowing through, but you're able to get through the turn and get off the pole right. and clear the bar. Right. right. I feel that's like almost lot, better. Right. That, that is better. Like, cause now you blew through and you made the bar. So now we can get to go up a pole, up a grip and you're jumping at the next bar. Um, whereas like, look, even at this club, even though I'm hammering movement, 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 there are still sometimes kids that get stuck in positions and they miss bars that should have been makes, you know, right. it's like, I always talk about at a practice, like we always have three bungees up at apex. So like, let's say the, the top one is at 14. That means the middle one's at 11. And let's say I have like a, a high school or college boy gripping, like, I don't know, anywhere between like 11, six to 12. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, that's great that you wrapped 14, but you didn't clear 11. Right. Like you have to clear 11 every time. Right. Like I'd rather have the vaulter that clears 11 and doesn't wrap 14 than the guy that wraps 14 and doesn't uh, clear 11. Absolutely. So it's like, that's really, really important. And I, I think movement helps a lot. Now, as you're telling this story, like even your freshman year experience in high school, jumping at a 10 foot bar or whatever, there could be people listening to this podcast and go, Oh my God, why should I care what a 13, seven guy says about pole bowl? But it's like, why does it matter? Why does it matter how high someone jumps? You know what I mean? 
Like what? Because because that's the only way I know it's good. I mean, I guess. But think, <laughs> but think about like martial arts. You bring this analogy up all yeah. the time. Like there are people, there are people that are world champions in martial arts, but aren't black belts. And there are black belts that aren't athletic enough to be world champions. Right. And the the way you have a black belt is if you master all the skills. And so if you master all the skills, what does it matter? How high they jump. I'm not saying I mastered all the skills, by the way. I, I definitely right, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I feel like I've mastered some most, skills. Some skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and I feel like maybe, I mean, my word shouldn't mean any, anything to just, but like, I feel like my word means something to some, to some people, you know? Right, right. I mean, I, I think this is the difficulty too. And I always bring up, there's so many sports, right? you know, again, for example, in basketball, you know, your elbow is supposed to be underneath your hand when you shoot the ball. Yeah. But there are a lot of professional basketball players who are great shooters. They're really good at the three point shot and their elbows sticking out. Mm -hmm. That is a big no, no. If you were coaching kids how to play basketball, you would not allow that. Yeah. The thing is that person learned how to shoot like that. And they're very good at shooting like that. Could they have shot better if they were taught properly in the beginning? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But at this point, listen, you're not going to go to an all-star basketball player who already has like a freaking 45% shooting percentage from the three-point line and be like, listen, we got we to gotta completely yeah, rework we gotta, your yeah. shot. <laughs> you just you got to fix this. Yeah, you, you don't want to do yeah, that. And that's right. why I would say even in pole vault, right? Like I, I think if you're watching a professional pole vault or jump, Let's say on the women's side, it's, it's, it's a female that jumps like 15, nine or higher. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, she's so bad at blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever, whatever skill. It, whatever it is. You're not going to, first of all, you don't coach her. That's number one. <laughs> Two, it's probably a little bit late to fix that now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and it's they like, jump the way they jump and they're one of the, like any woman in the world right now, if you jump 15, nine on any given day, you could win the meet. Yeah. 16 feet you're i think what 97 percent chance of winning if you jump 16 if you go five meters i, I it's probably 99.9 percent chance that you win yeah. the meet so my, my point being with that is like i don't know how much you want to reinvent the wheel right. like if like, it's not broke don't fix it right know? and i even go you know i love the thing that i love listening to when i listen to sam kendricks and his and his father speak about sam's career is you know what i really like and what i take a lot of motivation from is that so many people were like, Sam's doing it wrong. Sam's, Sam's doing, doing it wrong. wrong. And you know, were, for whatever reason. And they stuck to their guns and did what they did. And they're jumping super high. Right, yeah. And it's like, what are you going to say? He's, he's trash? He's an American <laughs> record holder. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. You're the right. guy is a stud, right? So it's like, again, a lot of the things that, you know, we've been talking about on this podcast, I, I, I certainly would never walk up to a professional and be like, listen, listen. We got the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. You're listen. I know you're doing okay, but I can completely fix all of this. Uh, you just got to move to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Sign up for the gold package every season. <laughs> the, you know the, the premium package. <laughs> yeah, the premium package. <laughs> but you know, so it's like that. That's the thing. But that being said, just because you jump high doesn't always mean that you're technically efficient. You know. Right. And that's true. Now, how do you measure? technique. I mean, there's certain things that we look at at this club, but I heard someone tell me they're like, well, it's meters per second and the bar you cleared. So you'd have to like, look at a chart and be like, are you beating the chart? Are you jumping higher than what the meters per second says? Well, here's the problem. 
a lot of us are not going to know the meters per second that we're hitting at take. Yeah, none of you us know, have. Most people don't have the equipment. Yeah. They're not going to set it up. I also would highly advise not to buy the equipment because if you're spending all your time at practice when you have a lot of people and you're running a club and you're measuring just their speeds and you're like, Rob, that, that, that was an 8.3 and you only wrapped this bungee. That's not good enough. You know, it's like yeah. you got to actually like coach the event. You can't, can't just be looking at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like the analogy I'll give you is – uh, there's these things called tendo units in lifting. Uh, Louis Simmons has has one at Westside Barbell where they have more thousand pound squatters than like the rest of the world. But anyway, so he started using the tendo units to measure bar speed, like how fast the bar is moving up when you squat or you bench or whatever. And after a little while, he was like, we're not using this anymore because it's interrupting practice. Like yeah. everybody's so involved with whatever freaking this machine is spitting out numbers wise. They can't focus on other things. It's like, we need to throw this away. It's, and again, this is another discussion, but this is why sometimes I'm anti iPad or whatever at, at, especially at meets, but like uh, practice, you got 10 people, forget about it. Like, you know, you, you need to coach the event and give that automatic feedback. We can't be like obsessing over one little frame, but anyway. So my point is most people aren't going to have that meters per second. My advice, look at DJ's mid chart. DJ's mid chart, he has a grip and he has a bar that you should clear. Hey, I mean, DJ, he's coached some good people, whatever. I think it makes sense. A lot of things he's done a lot of research to put that, that chart together. And I, 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 listen, you don't have to be religious with it, but I'm saying you have something charted out. Yeah. That way you have something to compare yourself to. Let me, let me just grab the chart. Basically, the idea is that you want to have a frame of reference for what you're doing, because if you don't have a frame of reference, then, you know, what, like, how do you know what's good or bad? Yeah. So, I mean, like looking at DJ's chart, for example, let's say, okay, you're, you're coaching, you know, a bunch of high school kids. Well, DJ says, if your kid has an 11-1 grip, they should jump 10 feet. So if your kid's jumping 10, awesome. You're on the chart. That's right. what DJ says. If you beat the chart, let's say your kid jumps 10-6. Even better, they're efficient. Mm-hmm. I would say if you're beating it by more than one, if now you have a kid gripping 11 and they're jumping 11, how is that kid generating that much push off and gripping that low? Right. Probably something's wrong with takeoff. Right. And vice versa, if you have, let's say, let, let's go somewhere else in the chart. If you have a kid gripping 13.5, right, mm-hmm. the chart says 14 feet. Well, if, if he's gripping 13.5 and jumps 13.6, okay, I mean, like, that's close. But if he's only jumping 13, all right, you know something's wrong with the, the swing and turn. You right. know what I mean? So you, you can use this chart. I don't know what everybody else thinks. I don't know how sciencey they think you have to get, especially if you start coaching more than like, I don't know, three people. But like, you know, again, this is a rough estimate and you can start to make decisions. And I, I, that's why I, I've always loved DJ's chart, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's important. And so now again, when we talk about what is good, you know, te- from a technical standpoint, it's not height alone. Just because some guy jumps 17. I mean, my best example, right? I remember when I first started coaching and I, I, I was maybe two, three years into coaching. I started coaching college and I'm at a meet and Fairleigh Dickinson had this guy that was jumping 15.9 without a turn. Dude, but here's the thing. He was jumping 15.9, and he had 14.6 grip. Damn. Well, on DJ's chart, 14.4 is 
So he's beating DJ's chart without a turn. What is that? I'm going to go on a wild limb there and say that's probably, even though he's on the chart, it, he's beating the trailer, probably not technical. He doesn't have a turn. So that's where it's like, look, there are these elements. You have takeoff, swing, and turn. Are you watching these elements of the jump? Those are part of technique. How's the person's pole carry? What does their run look like? Are they backside or are they frontside? You should be frontside. Do they jump up? Do they go long, short, and jump up at takeoff? There's so many elements of the vault, and you have to be teaching all these elements. If we're just going to be like, well, you know, uh, I know this person's carry is shit. They're running backside. They're super flat. But, dude, he jumped 17. He's pretty good. It's like, what? Like, well, what, what does it matter? Yeah, so why, why even t- coach technique? I'm yeah. just going to tell it. Just tell everybody, run as fast as you can and slam into the box. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, think, I think we have to stop thinking about, like, watch videos and start to look at them and don't look at the height. Don't look at what the bar clearance is. Mm-hmm. Just be like, let me watch this video. I don't want to know what the height is. Do I think this is a good jump? Yeah. That, I think, is big. And, and something that I know I've talked a lot about with people is, like, you know, swing speed matching pole speed is there a flow to the jump this is something you have to start to create an eye for i think that's that's another important factor um i know there was like oh the other thing that i wanted to mention to clear up for a lot of people i think a lot of times um and you know we have a lot of discussions even not about pole vault a lot of times i think x In order for me to debate X, do you think I should know something about Y? I think you should know something about Y and Z. Yeah, yeah, right? You know, like, because you should always, you should always get to know all other perspectives. Like, you don't want to, like, we were talking about with the echo chamber and all. Yeah, Like, yeah. you don't want to get yourself into a point where even if just having a conversation is, like, against your like religion you know what i mean right right well and here's the thing i think we were talking about it before we always entertain people's arguments right Right. like you've had many discussions with people i've obviously had many discussions with people because like i do want to hear the other side right and then do you remember in high school you came up to me i think it was maybe end of junior year or sometimes senior year do you remember you had asked me a question your coach wanted you to do something I'm not, I'm not remembering. I can't. This is terrible, guys. I'm sorry. I have a great memory, by the way. <laughs> you know, I guess I um, thought I did too. Do, do you remember your coach wanted you to go somewhere? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So I remember you approaching me about you know how I would feel because his coach wanted him to go visit another club. Right. And what was my response to you? Yes. Go. Oh, we're like strapped. Oh, we're on a podcast. Uh, so you were like, yeah, like you should go like, see what they have to offer kind of. And like, you should, you know, I mean, you should be open, but not be stupid, I guess is kind of how you put it. I don't know how to, yeah, I don't know if I use the word stupid, no, but, but like, but, yeah. you know, but like be like, don't, don't do something that don't get hurt. Right. Yeah, and yeah. don't do something that you think is going to make you like worse. I guess. I don't, right, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to describe it because you have to also be open to like, suggestions like right and and the thing that i you know and again you know about this situation i remember one year i had an athlete that i think was like a little bit doubting things and not sure and 
it tends to happen, right? Like, oh, yeah. as you start to jump higher, all of a sudden, all the critics come out and they're yeah. like, dude, bro, bro, you, you could jump, jump so, so much, much higher yeah. all the time. You, you know what's funny? I've never had a single person approach a girl jumping eight feet or a boy jumping 11 going, bro, you could jump so much higher. It's always like once a girl's jumping 11-ish, once a boy's jumping 13-ish, at least in our neck of the woods, yeah. that's when all of a sudden people come out of the woodwork like, bro, you know how you could jump a lot higher, you know? Um, but the thing that, I, I mean, I told that kid, I was like, listen, if you are having doubts, you should go, go to other clubs. Yeah. And that's okay. If you got to go for a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever. And then listen, if you ever want to come back, you can come back. No problems. Right. And even in your situation, I was like, cause again, he's a pole vault nerd. So I'm like, I think it'd be a good experience for you mm-hmm. to go to another club, see what they have. So, I mean, maybe you go there and you're like, Oh my God, this is better. You know? And then it's yeah. like, who cares about me? You don't owe anything to and, me. And the thing is, you have to have that mentality when you go in a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? And maybe I was like, like looking back, I might have been a little like closed off per se. But yeah, like, yeah. but you, de- but I definitely was like open to suggestions. And I remember, I think, I think I remember I came back with with like saying like something that I thought they did that was like good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I forget, I forget what it my was. Memory is, I yeah. I don't remember, remember what the cue was, but yeah. I remember they but said, and I was like, and I was like, Oh, like maybe you could like, and, but I remember we had like a discussion about it or something. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah. that, that just goes to show too, even when maybe it's like polar opposites and this club is like very different from ours. Mm-hmm. Like even when you're polar opposites, there could be something that, that crosses over, you know what I mean? That brings certain things together and maybe they do have a drill or a progression that, that would be valuable. And that's why even like sometimes things that are outside of your school of thought, it might be valuable to, to kind of discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. Um, sorry that I have to go to these notes all the time. Um, oh, so what, and, and what are I, I wanted to add to this, my personal experience, right? Like one, I jumped in high school. For those of you that haven't heard, I've mentioned this on another podcast. I jumped 10, six in high school. I was terrible. Stud. Yeah, I, I jumped in like 1905. That, that was really good back then. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, so I jumped 10 6. I was terrible. I started coaching. After I started coaching, I would end up jumping 14, you know, whatever. And not that 14 is any good, but like it is what it is. It was better for me. I was happy. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I, I jumped without a coach in high school. Then when I started coaching, I mean, like I learned a lot from a, a, a blocking school of thought, yep. you know? Then I found beginner to Bupka, read that cover to cover. That was a huge inspiration, changed the way I coach. I started using DJ's chart. That was a huge uh, help. You know, then I, I worked with uh, uh, Mike Lorick from Vertical Assault. That was a huge help. I actually got to do a clinic with Alan Launder. That was amazing. I spent four summers, not whole summer, but like a week at a time, uh, four summers in a row in Tennessee with Roman Bacharnikov. That helped a lot. But it's like, I have gone through several different schools of thought. Like what I feel like sometimes people don't realize it's not like from day one, I've been coaching and jumping this technical model. I've tried other stuff. And for me, this is what I found in my context, in my environment. This is what works. Absolutely. I think a lot of times and the issue, like what you're bringing up and why I told you to go to that club is a lot of the people that argue with me, They've never done it any other way. Or it's like they've never tried it in the complete uh, – like you went from block, – like, Or they, they don't have experience in what I'm talking right. about. Right. Like think, think about how, how crazy that is. We're 
literally the whole first half of this is about like you probably shouldn't block you probably shouldn't do this and then you were talking about how oh yeah i used to block i yeah. used to do all that Dude, i remember how pumped i was so again my pr was 10-6 in high school right so we start going to this one place they're, they're really big blockers right and I start coaching. And it's exciting. I'm getting better. Dude, I jumped 10, six, and I told me to get better. <laughs> and um, I remember I was like on a 14, 160. It was the second pole ever that I bought for myself. I was on a 14, 160, gripping 13, and I jumped 12, six, and I was pumped. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And looking back. Well, looking back. And then it's like I started doing a lot of Petrov Bupka stuff because of beginner to Bupka. Mm-hmm. Well, then a year later, I ended up jumping 13.6 with 13-foot grip. So, same grip. Yeah, but now I'm jumping. Yeah, I was like, suit that. I was like, I felt better. And then, I mean, my only regret, once I started coaching this way, is I never competed from a full approach. Like, I only ever competed from a five. Because every time I – like, June was usually the month that I could start doing some full approach work because I wasn't – coaching wasn't as hectic right but there were no meets right at that point and then once meets started i was busy coaching so i'd back it up because i jumped i jumped 14 from a five or you know max schumann would probably say i jumped 13 11 three quarters (laughs) or whatever i feel like everyone would say anyway (laughs) dude they they set the bar at 14 nobody's putting the bar at 13 i'm telling you they always put it at the the meters yeah at a beach fall. That's why they had a beach fall. At a beach at a beach fall. We don't know if the bar was actually at fourteen three or thirteen nine. If we're being honest, but anyway, so I was gripping thirteen. <laughs> He's PR seventeen, guys. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> no, but so I was I was gripping thirteen from a five, jumped fourteen, but I I was able to grip as high as fourteen from a seven. Yeah. So I mean, look, even if my push up just stays the same, I jumped fifteen. Mm-hmm. Even if a little less, whatever, 14.9. Like, but anyway. Um, <laughs> that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the thing is, like, that's the transition I went through. You know what I mean? Like, I've Absolutely. gone through a lot of these different schools of thought and tried it and implemented it. I mean, heck, even those spotting drills. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Did you used to do As those? a young coach doing some spotting drills, I can't tell. There's a lot of good stories. There's this one technique where – you stand next to the runway, not behind the person. Oh, and, and as they go up, you like kind of grab their, their left leg, if that's their takeoff leg, mm-hmm. and then put your arm on, the small, like, on their upper back, mm-hmm. and you hold them up. Well, the one kid, he runs up and like, kind of jumps towards me, so he hip checks my head. I have a chipped tooth from that, <laughs> that spotting drill. The kid was safe, by the way. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing to happened to the kid. But I was just like, oh, my God. So there's, like, there's a lot of that stuff where I'm like, also, I can't imagine. If I have like a full Sunday where we could see up to like sometimes 50 people on a right. Sunday, you know, and, uh, or more, even 60. Yeah, but it's like I can't imagine spotting that many people. Yeah. 50 people yeah. what, multiple times. Yeah, like you're going to mess up once. I'm going to tear my rotator cuff or <laughs> shoulder labor. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to mess up. I'm really like, I'm going to need shoulder surgery. But anyway, so yeah, I, I think that's an important thing. It's like if you're going to you know, say, hey, I don't think that works, I think you should try it because I've told you stories where it's like I remember one time doing a pole vault uh, camp or clinic yeah, it was a one-day thing, so clinic, I guess, is the yeah, proper yeah. term. But it was, you know, a lot of people. It was at this college, and and one of the college guys, before the clinic started, he's, he's another pole vault nerd like me and you. And he's like, Bronco, like, I'm kind of interested. I want to learn what you, you're doing. And so I did some twos and threes with the kid, and I did some drills. 
and it was so funny. So I'm telling him to pull and swing and, you know, and one of his teammates comes by and he's like, dude, but if he pulls, isn't that going to stop the pole moving? I'm like, don't ask me, ask him. And he's like, bro, do you feel like it slows down the pole speed? He's like, no, it makes it better. <laughs> and later that kid would like message me telling me, you know, how thankful he was because he ends up PRing and becomes a division three all American wow. that year. Yeah. That's so, cool. so yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. But again, like, that's the thing. It's like, I think some people need to actually try it. They have to yeah. go through it before and they can have a real, real opinion on it. Yeah. And also like, I know everyone claims dangerous, but it's like, just if you start with like a low enough grip, just, yeah. try, just try it, see what happens. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm not a single video have I ever said, Hey, listen, I want you to really try this technique on the biggest pull you've ever jumped on on the highest grip. grip regardless if you've had six months off because of COVID, just start off there and that's what you want to, that's yeah. not what you should do. No, of course not. You, you should know? always ease into any new technique. Right. And as much as I think, you know, Rob and I are trying our best to explain the technique that, that I posted about um, on Instagram with the, the video of, of uh, Bob Richards, even listening to this podcast does not do it justice. No. no. I, I think in any kind of sport, right, you could watch a video, you could listen to a podcast, but the thing is until, until you, you start to do it, right? It's all just theory, right? Yeah. Th this is, and again, this is like a completely different podcast episode, yeah. but it's like, I love also, like I had a moment one time at my college that I coached, we, we finally got, you know, a full-time strength and conditioning coach. Now, I've been doing strength and conditioning with my pole bolters, and at the time, I was doing it with the whole track team. I did the weights for the whole track team. And we get this full-time strength and conditioning coach who literally just finished college. <laughs> also, I, listen, and this is also another episode in post. Dude doesn't look like he trains. Yeah, you could. Dude doesn't look like he, he just finished college. He is an exercise science major, and the dude doesn't look like he trains. Like, I'm talking about he looks super normal, no big muscles. The biggest muscles on him are his calves, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it. No chest, no arms, no back, no big glutes, no hamstrings, no quads. It's just regular dude. And here's the thing. I'm getting massive results. I mean, at that time, I had a girl that weighed 110 pounds. She was box squatting 305. She, you know, like, we're getting all these great results. One of our jab guys who was – not the biggest guy for a javelin guy, like bigger than me, obviously, but he was a guy, maybe he was 210, I don't, 210 pounds. But I mean, this guy was deadlifting well over 500 pounds, power cleaning over 300 pounds. You know what I mean? And this was like huge PRs and lifting numbers, which would get him from 190 javelin to I think 208, you know? So we, we're just getting That's amazing results. And I mean, this guy would not even look at me. Like when we would pass each other, he would look away. And the thing is, like, listen, I understand you maybe read something. Right. I understand that maybe you watched something. That does not mean you know how to implement it. Right. One, this guy doesn't have enough personal experience lifting. Yeah. But two, he's never coached anybody. If you think I'm handing over my 110-pound girl at Box Watch 305 to you, that's not happening. I'm just not you – gotta, you, you got to earn, earn it. it. Yeah, earn you got to earn it, right? And – so the thing is, even with this pull out stuff, I think a lot of times there's people like, I, I don't think people understand the whole pole vault club scene too. I, I had Tim Riley on. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know how many people he coaches or in a year, but it's a lot. a lot. I know, I know here, like we typically have a hundred athletes all year round. Right. You know, I definitely coach over a thousand people at this point. I know Mike Lorick, one of my mentors, you know, Mike started vertical assault. They would have, I think on the big years, they probably had over 150 athletes. That's a we, lot. Like you get, you got to understand, like that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot and of people. also a wide range of demographics. This right. is not like, oh, I'm the D1 coach at Texas. Yeah, you're not getting And all I only get the carpet. creme yeah. de la creme. You know what I mean? Like all the guys are 6'4", 185. Right, yeah. You're not getting carbon cut. You're getting anywhere from, you know, white belt to black belt. You know, Yeah, and, like, and you're getting 5 foot, 100 pound Sally to, you know, you might even have like 6'4", maybe not in great shape johnny you know so it's like you're getting all these different demographics i mean even you're getting masters athletes who are trying to get back oh, into yeah. shape they're trying to use pole vault to spark that 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 uh, fire and desire to to help get healthy you know so it's like you're getting all these dim- different demographics and you've got to figure out how to work with all of them and it's like i i think that's that's an important thing not only that you go through all these different schools of thought not only that that you know you start coaching, but you you have to have ability with all these different demographics. Yeah. Don't tell me about just one person. I mean, I know I just gave you an example of only two, right? The sprinter <laughs> and the javelin thrower. But like, you know what I mean? Like you have to have all the experience. Yeah. You can't just sit and talk theory. You have to put it into practice. Otherwise, it's just theory. It's right. just a... It's, it's just a thought experiment, you know? <laughs> theory is good. I mean, you know, theory is what makes good you know, plans, but if you were not good at making plans, you, it doesn't matter how good the theory is. Well, and, and look, like we, we can use the recipe analogy, right? We're talking right, about yeah. stuffing, right? Right. It's like, that's fine to talk about, oh, I think this recipe would be amazing, but go cook it and then taste it. Yeah. If it tastes good, awesome, success, do that again. But more than likely, especially when you're starting out, yeah. you're going to taste it and be like, hmm. I'm not going to tell anybody this tastes like shit. <laughs> and next time you're going to have to tinker and figure it out. Yeah. Figure, figure it out, out. You know, figure out how to change and it. also what I'd highly advise, cause I, I did this with beginner to Bupka. I basically looked at beginner to Bupka as my cookbook. Yeah. Right. And I, what I noticed, the closer I followed the recipe, the better, better the dish it. came out. <laughs> Tasted really good. So I just started following the book more and more and more. And then once you follow a recipe enough, then you could start to tinker and play. Yeah, you need to you need to know a recipe in and out before you can like start messing with it, or yeah. or like you need to understand a technical model. You need to be able to convey a technical model to anyone and apply it to anyone before you can start. I I mean I feel I mean before you can start you know playing around and or saying it's bad or this and that or the other yeah especially before you reinvent the wheel you know before you make your your own technical model right it's like if rob is like i'm gonna make the robert plum model this is very special it's different Different. it's like before you do that you probably should master some other model right you know what i mean um yeah i i think this is all like super super important stuff you know what i mean like you you really got to dive in you got to learn you got to spend the time. I, I think before you start to criticize something, you definitely have to understand it. Absolutely. 100%. You know, um, I feel like one, this is uh, this has been a great episode. I agree. But two, it's getting late and we'll probably and both I, have to head home. And I think that was a great place to end it. <laughs>
Yeah, great place to end it. So uh, again, thanks for watching. For those of you on YouTube, thanks for listening. For those of you on iTunes podcast or SoundCloud, uh, again, if you love this podcast, if you enjoy it, you know what? Please subscribe. Um, also, share it. Tell your friends about it. Come on. Let's get these, these view, viewerships and listens up. We're, ta- we're you talking know? about, you know, knowing everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, uh, it's just Apex Vaulting on YouTube. It's the real Apex Vaulting on Instagram. It's Apex Vaulting on Facebook uh, and Twitter. Um, on iTunes, it's the Apex Vaulting podcast, also on SoundCloud. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, holidays are around the corner. You're looking for a good gift? that pole vaulter you love and care about do you really love and care about them because they want a pole vault gift and you could get a great pole vault gift on on the team hoot website through sean francis and if you use the promo code apex pv you can get a discount um again thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're watching um until next time thanks rob of course